Holy crap, folks. I think I got everything in sequence for once. It's <laughs> Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, and I'm grateful to say this must be... All right. Had to have some extra oomph in there, man. That was probably the most complex set of switches to throw we've ever thrown. And as far as I can tell, we're broadcasting out on over 30 different places across multiple platforms, even into, I hope everyone can hear me, our internet radio station that's going into beta now. Wouldn't that be funny if no one could hear you right now? Well, that's why our technical producer... Heidi is checking all that list of places because, dear God, I hope you and I are not the only one who hear this. Well, let me just say, as I put on my crazy glasses, it wouldn't be the first thing to go wrong this week. Welcome See, I'm back. I'm not even in the screen. Yeah, yeah, you got to watch that. Don't there duck off the screen. No one can tell. See you then. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Crazy. So Crazy how's back. the week been? How's the week been? Tell our well, listeners. Well, the week started with bomb threats at the airport, and it ended with being stranded in Miami. Okay. But and it was comp- sunshine and sunshine and sandy feet the rest of the time. <laughs> I think most people call that a shit sandwich. <laughs> I was going to say, stranded in, in, you know, Miami Beach, I can think of worse things on that. Yeah, well, the circumstances weren't quite as you might think to be stranded there, but that's all right. right. We're back. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. It's like perfect weather. Ray's probably happy. He could pull out a hoodie tonight if he wanted. (laughs) See, the funny thing about that is Ray would love where I am because all through the summer, it's clouded over from the, they call it the June gloom, and I'm one of the few people that's actually happy around here in summer because it actually feels like weather, and I'm in a hoodie. So, like, real, it, it's not June. You want me June, to go into rendition of Never Rains in Southern California? I'm not in <laughs> Southern California. I'm in Central California, which is why that's we do awesome. this. But, we'll, Ray, Ray, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Don't worry, there's the pillars of weather. Got to do our shtick. So, what's the word on the on the street, Kath, uh, Kristen? Were you going to call me Kathleen? Because that's not even close to my name. Actually, no. I was going to go Catherine Hepburn, but you know, oh well. I'm an old dude. <laughs> oh my God! There's so many words on the street. I wouldn't know which one to start with. But I think we got a lot of really great stuff that we're going to talk about today. Um, we continue to work with our mentee who's waiting on a new FDD. We're working with a couple other people who are looking to turn their businesses into franchises. Um, We always are working as a group to continue to develop and improve pillars of franchising. So um, lots of stuff I'm not really pervy to talk about at this particular point, but very exciting stuff up and coming. So 
Uh, if you haven't been tuned in for a long period of time with Pillars of Franchising, now is certainly the time to get tuned in. So with that type of answer is worthy of, of <laughs> being a White House press uh, person. Okay, so it is. rumor <laughs> has it, rumor has it that very soon, potentially as early as sometime next month, there will literally be virtual, how you like that, literally virtual, gotta love that, <laughs> virtual networking events under the Pillars of Franchising banner, at least that's the rumor I'm hearing, or the word on the street. Would you care to confirm, deny, or avoid? I would like to say I plead the fifth. Mm, chicken <laughs> shit. The word is on the street. How that word evolves and when that word evolves will be announced at a future date. I will also tell you we have all kinds of exciting things that you could tease our listeners with, but I'm going to try not to let you. You're next gonna... week, I yes. think next week, we could probably make some exciting announcements. All right. All right. I I will. I'll, I'll let you buy me off with that one. Let you buy me off with that one. So shall we bring our wonderful co-hosts on so we can play Pillars of Weather? We shall. How about we bring Jerry on? Can we bring Jerry on? And then there's David, and we can't forget Ray. But let's start with Jerry, because I usually start with Ray. And the way my screen is set up, if I read it, it would be Ray, then David, then Jerry. But I want to go backwards today. So, Jerry... Where are you and what is your weather, my dear? It looks like you're sitting in a great clips office today. I am sitting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The weather is in the low 90s and humid. And, wow. Uh, very humid, yeah. So I'm escaping to Minnesota in the cool weather of fishing next week. Nice. Very nice. David, looks like yeah. you're in Ohio. Yep, sure am. It's absolutely perfect. 75 sunny degrees and just a gorgeous day. Awesome. Hey, Ray, want to be my neighbor? It's miserable here. <laughs> it's 88 degrees. I don't know what the humidity that's is, but it's got to be in the 90s. I mean, you can't no, walk outside without being drenched in sweat. It's terrible. I can't stand it. We're, it's 84. David, David, where are you again? I want to be there. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Cleveland. It's gorgeous here today. Oh, my uh, God. But well, it is, you know what? I missed doing the show for two weeks. I missed it. I really did. Unfortunately, I didn't have very good Wi-Fi, but I'm fixing that. So hopefully the next time I'm traveling, unless there's a scheduling conflict, I will be on the air with you guys. Well, we all know that you don't make scheduling conflicts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yours is always just the wifi problem. So yeah. we'll be looking forward to having you back. So excellent. Well, today we've got um, some things that are near and dear to all of our hearts to talk about. And that's really kind of uh, what we decided to focus on today is how we now, all of us on Tuesday had a conversation about how challenging and battered things are out in the franchise world, the small business world. Um, you know, I shared a story in St. Martin last week 
and um, getting in and out of there. The airlines are short staffed. Half the restaurants were closed because they don't have employees. Um, and some of those are the very same things that we're suffering from right here. And it was certainly um, a bit of an eye opener for me to be there. Not that I thought they had escaped all of the effects of COVID, but um, I assumed that maybe it'd be slightly different because their unemployment is different and their stipends and stuff to sit on top of employment were different, but it was the same story over there. So today we'd like to talk not so much about all the problems and all the heartache that it's, uh, that's been occurring, but what we're doing to move beyond that. So um, Ray, do you want to kind of start talking about what are some of the things that you're working on to get out of well, let's first talk about staffing, right? Let's talk about the ugly right. elephant in the room or not in the room. Um, and that's just staffing. How are you working on and or well, planning think, on achieving better staffing? I think, as you know, we're working on as a cooperative in the Chicagoland area uh, through our, our various connections, uh, getting good advertising out to the public uh, I, th I think yourself, JL, and myself have had the least number of contacts, uh, whereas for whatever strange reason, uh, other people in our, in, in our co-op are, are doing fantastically getting contacts. So I don't, I don't know what exactly is, that, is the magic here, but, uh, what, what's happening. And do you, do you have any insight to that at all? Um, I don't necessarily have an insight um, as to what's happening. I mean, obviously, we know that in this particular state, you know, we continue on with the additional funding of unemployment until September. So, you know, for businesses out there that are in a state that continue to, um, I'll call it a stipend on top of um, unemployment, you know, the good news is there is an end in sight. Now, yesterday I read um, a blurb. Um, from the Biden administration simply saying, and we'll be ready because it's not gonna end anytime soon, these labor shortages. And so, um, well, that did not make me happy as I'm trying to be you know, upbeat and positive and cheery about this. Um, it does make me really think about what, you know, we as business owners, you know, David talks about a lot perseverance, right? And I think that the whole idea about today is how each of us as million dollar owners are going to get beyond this and get past it. And, you know, I just try to keep a positive attitude. I'm trying to continue to push that recruiting as much as I can, whether it's the yard signs outside of my office, whether it's the Facebook pages, you know, announcing hiring, whether it's joining the co-op, why we're not getting the hits. I don't know. I have to think some of that could have to do with demographics, um, could have to do with the income uh, for those folks within our area. It could have to do with the number of people like I know where my office sits. I have a large uh, amount of lower income bracket families and it's very possible that getting this extra money is helping them stay home a little bit longer. So I don't know, Jerry, David, do you guys have anything to weigh in from your neck of the woods in terms of the whole staffing crisis and, and what you're experiencing and how we're overcoming it and planning for the future months. Yeah, you're gonna jump in first. 
I can. I think it's funny when she asks questions like that, David, because you and I kind of look at each other online and go, who's, who's, who's up? <laughs> I know. I got to call you by name. Hey, that's it, Jerry. Well, you first all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a widespread problem, folks. It's, it's everywhere. It's literally in every industry. You know, you read things online about it's only impacting restaurants and lower pay type jobs, and that's 100% incorrect. Uh, literally every trucking company, every construction company, every manufacturing company that I'm associated with has the same problem, and they're paying people eighty dollars to $100,000 a year or more. So it's not a lower wage type situation. It's widespread. Uh, in fact, I would argue it may impact uh, lower paying jobs a little bit more because right now, uh, jobs that, are, that typically would not accept a um, untrained or unexperienced person are willing to take them and train them. So, you know, they're they're literally kind of robbing from those lower um, lower paying jobs to get it. So, um, but there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, I think, you know, for instance, Iowa did away with the enhanced unemployment on June 12th. So we've had. Um, what is it, a month or almost six weeks probably now, uh, where that has not been an impact. And I can tell you from our experience, it took two to three weeks after it stopped before we saw a change in our application rates. Because a couple things. Number one, there are still other government monies available. Uh, and, it, you know, they're taking advantage of that. They're, they're taking whatever money they can get to try and um, – extend the time that they can stay off of work. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. That's just the reality of it. Um, and, and, you know, really, the, uh, the, the other thing is the reality has to strike that you no longer have some of those monies coming in. So it, it just took a little while to get it up and running. Now, I could talk to some extent, but I want to let David get in here. I, I can talk about some of the things we've done to increase the number of applications, some of that kind of stuff. But uh, David, you want to pitch in a little bit before I go on in a, a long soliloquy? No, no I'd, I'd love for you to continue that, but I, but I'll jump in a little bit. And, and, <laughs> and the reason is, but the reason is, is you know, I, I don't have the skin in the game that you and Chris and Ray have at this point in time. And you know, as as you know, I mean, I haven't had that since last September, so to speak. But we are looking into other business opportunities right now. And while that is always, you know, that's always out there. I'm going to be honest with you. When we first opened up our business, you know, 28 years ago, our concern was always, you know, are we going to staff with great people? So, so that concern is, is always going to be there. It's a little bit different now. And, and I, I think from what I'm hearing, cause I'm still engaged, um, you know, with, 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 old business, a lot of business owners, a little bit. And, and I, I think it comes down to this. I, I, and, and there's no silver bullet. So don't think when I say this, there is. But it's not going to just be about money anymore. That's um, okay. it, going to be a big part of it, but it's not going to be about money anymore. And, and I think, you know, we're human beings. We're going to go into subconscious type stuff here. Human beings, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit and we're creatures of comfort. And there's, there's certain things, once certain habits set in, they're hard to, they're going to be difficult to break. And we've come, we're coming off a period of time where people have been sitting at home for a lot of different reasons, right? Namely COVID, but everything else. So that's going to be a difficult habit to break because They've created a new life around that. Most people right. have created a new life around either working at home 
or being a caretaker at home, getting the, the government unemployment, however you want to deem it, they have to now go, okay, if I go back to work, how does that impact my life today? And what do I need to go back to work? So as an employer, that might be completely different than what it was even just 18 months ago. I mean, we might be having to look at, okay, you, have, you might be homeschooling your kids. How can we make out a schedule that accommodates that? You might need daycare that's now more expensive because all the wages are gone. That's one thing everybody needs to keep in mind, both as consumers and as, as business owners. Everything's right. gone up. We could that's scream, right. we can make minimum wage $100 an hour. We're all going to pay for it eventually in the car. Yep. Everything else can go up. So the minimum wage has never been an issue for me because I believe the minimum wage shouldn't even exist. You would go on that thing in my mind. Everybody gets <laughs> it's free market and, and it's a floor, right? It's not a ceiling. It's where everybody right. should start. So I get it and I get the I get the argument that you have to make a you know a living on it, but that's only people who that's a, that's all they aspire to do is to get by. So that's a different conversation. But so my point to all this is without rambling too much, is I think we have to be really, really creative to know that. You, they have to break their habits of what is their what's turned into their current lifestyle. Yes, that's, that's how true. do you accommodate that? Well, yeah, that's and a difficult question to answer because right. it's going to be dependent on each individual business too. Because sure. some people aren't going to be able to just have some floating, flexible work at home schedule. Right, right, and I think that you're you're you make a good point because that does affect every whether you're an hourly wage owner or you're a professional out there everybody has adapted and you know you talk to people all the time who are trying to adjust to get back to what the new normal is so i think that's really important i do want to i think today you know today's show is going to be one of those shows that all of our listeners out there are going to have their own stories their own opinions their own thoughts and we really want to make sure that we open it up to people today if anybody wants to call in they want to talk about this topic um, please jot down the number is 323-580-5755. Again, that's 323-580-5755. So if you're out there and you have thoughts on this, particularly if you're in the process of finding solutions today to the issues that we're going to talk about, give us a call because, you know, we're all in this together. I know that phrase is used a lot, but, you know, the best way we find, and for Ray and I, right, we're already a part of a fifth group of 15 that talk on a regular basis. Um, we have to share solutions. And I, I think we would all be remiss to sit here and, and bury our heads in the sand and, and, you know, woe is me and wait for, you know, all of these uh, incentives or extra money to, to stop flowing, we have to start looking forward. And that's the thing that we talk about a lot is that if you're in business, you have to have thick skin. You have to be able to persevere and you have to look forward. So um, Jerry, did you have a couple other items that you wanted to add to the to the staffing situation? Well, maybe a couple hundred, Kristen. But, ah, uh, I won't let you go that long. Oh, wait, wait, wait. All okay. right, before, cool. Jerry talks, uh, before I forget my thought, uh, if you don't mind, Jerry, I just want to mention that uh, Kristen and I and the rest of the co-op pretty much have been in business uh, 15, 16, 17, or uh, in, in some cases, what? Um, how long? I'm at 15 20, and you're... 20, 25 years. Anyway, yeah. my point is that I um, we have, because we've been in business and we've uh, always treated our employees, I think all of us have in this area very well. And we treat them like a family. Uh, I, I think I lost maybe a couple of them because of COVID. 
and they're not coming back. But uh, in rea the reality is that uh, we are a family mm -hmm. and that, uh, we treated everyone respectfully. And, and that's why we're not having a drastic uh, cut in, in, in our employees. Uh, we're basically through, uh, I think it's called attrition, or in other words, uh, people leaving because yes. of they're ill or retiring or, you know, what, whatever is going, they're moving. You know, uh, that's the type of employee that we're having a hard time replacing and we are unable to build our employee base, which, at, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, I'd be pretty close to uh, 50 employees right now. And right now we're at 38. Sure. So, uh, yeah, we, we still need at least four more to, you know, right. make life easier on the rest of the employees. Okay, Jerry, yep. <laughs> speak up. Well, since this show is about solving these problems, not just talking about um, the fact that problems exist, you know, you have right. to admit it's out there and then you have to have a solution. And I think Krista was one that said, we can't bury our heads in the sand. We have to, you know, team up and try and figure out a way around it. So I'll just share some bullet points of some things we're doing that's starting to show some, uh, some, some traction and then some things we're working on currently. Sure. So the first thing I would point out, and, and uh, you know, Ray talked about it too, You've got to position yourself as the employer of choice. Yep. Uh, Dave yep. said it's not just about money. Money may be one component that you have to deal with, depending on how you pay, but certainly benefits and flexible schedules and whatever you can work in. So I put it this way. As a good employer, you've got to find the pain points of your employees. Absolutely. Yep. You've got to deal directly with those if they're solvable. Sometimes employees have things that you just can't change because you're franchise as opposed to a single practitioner or whatever the case might be. So you do have to, you have to consider that, but you have to be the employer of choice and you have to find the pain points. So, you know, we can talk about the fact people can stay home. I'll talk about our business a little bit. Our staff could stay home longer, but they miss their social animals. They miss the interaction. So getting back to work was something most of them wanted to do. Now, some of them had, you know, concerns about health, because right. they might have somebody at home that is, you know, impacted by, by whatever, have a pre-existing condition, they're afraid of taking something home to them. So we have to understand that situation. And, you know, maybe you can figure out a way to make them more comfortable, or you just have to admit they're not going to come back for a, a while, whatever that time right. frame might be. You know, in but Jerry, on that, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. On that point, don't you think, like, I, I know we have a couple like that too, and well, we're aware of that issue. To me, what's important is that you don't lose complete touch with those people, right? To me, it's still reaching out saying, hey, hope you're doing well. Listen, when you're ready, your job's here for you. And it's not every week, it's not every month. Maybe it's every other month saying, hey, we just want you to know, hope your family's healthy. We're thinking about you, can't wait to get you back. Because yep. those are the people that were probably great employees to raise point, right? And right. you want to make sure you keep them engaged mm -hmm. in the business, right? That's 100% true, Kristen. You've got to reach out to them every once in a while and just check on them. You just have to understand, you know, as, as franchisees and business owners, if we're struggling with the business because we're short-staffed, it's really easy to uh, overreact and, and maybe even, you know, have ill will, will towards some of your employees that don't yes. come back. We have to be in their space. We have to understand why they're where they're at and, uh, you know, feel their pain and then try and make some sort of concessions to, to understand that. So whether that means 
allowing them the extra time off and staying in touch with them because they may very well truly appreciate that. Brand sure. you up to all of their friends, maybe even send other people to work for you because of the way you've worked with them. So That's we've right. got to understand that, staying in contact through a ver variety of things. For instance, we've got a, uh, a company Facebook page for our stylists so that they can stay a part of our family. That's a nice idea. We're not you know, always calling them maybe every week or whatever, but they still feel like they're a part of it, which makes them want to go back as soon as they possibly can. Uh, write that down. <laughs> uh, I want to uh, mention something that's kind of indicative of, of the uh, essence we want to get across. I asked an employee one time, what's the best part of your day? And of course, I'm expecting her to say, oh, when I get off work. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, no. She said, no. She said, the best part of my day is when I come to work in the morning. And I said, what? <laughs> she says, well, think about it. When I get off work, I've got to fix dinner for everyone. I've got to make sure my husband's taken care of it. I got to make sure all the kids are taken care of. I got to make sure that their homework is being done. And then I got to make sure that there's lunch for all the kids for the next day and sure. everything's ready, they're closed. And then I got to clean my own house. Yeah, well, so that's the I, thing, right? It's the escape from reality. And yeah, her work day begins after she gets off work. That's right. That's right. You know, because she when she comes in the morning, she's socializing. She's having a cup of coffee and a, maybe a donut or whatever, and you know, socializing with all her friends and having yep. a good time. And then she, you know, that's it. Yep. So that's kind of indicative of the kind of atmosphere you want to create at your sure. at your place of employment. Sure. What I'd like to do, um, uh, I got my little messenger pop up says, "Hey, you're late for commercial." So we're going to take a really quick commercial. When we come back, Jerry, I want to continue some of your bullet points. And then we're going to move on and we're going to talk about um, one of the challenges today and how we overcome the capital situation. Not, you know, one-six capital, but the capital as in cash. How do we continue to get the money we need to grow our business and uh, thrive in the future months? Okay, Fred, go ahead. Let's pay the bills. All right. Uh, according to fan poll, Jerry has been voted the most interrupted co-host of this month. Congratulations, Jerry! Also, and he does a, it with class. He does. <laughs> on another note, the management is not advocating for the repeal of the minimum wage, at least not at a federal level, even though international... <laughs> Uh, person or labor markets are shredding the minimum wage, we are not advocating that Congress repeal the minimum wage. <sighs> Thank you, and now a word from a sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. <laughs> How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com.
here's my um non-paid for oops how do i make this go Ooh, there you go my sponsor of the day <laughs> yeah don't give them a plug they're worth billions trillions they're franchise they're just like us we're all people in the same struggle that's all i'm saying jerry tell us some more good tips you got there for uh helping keep your help engaged and or getting ready to get some more help in the door for your customers yeah. Because I'm sure some of our listeners are struggling with the same thing, or if they become franchisees after spending some time with us, they'll, they'll probably be facing this. Because I think this issue is going to be around for a year or longer uh, until we right-size again and things kind of get back to a little more normal. But So uh, once you find employees' pain points, as I was mentioning, you've got you've to consider whether you can solve them or not. And uh, you know what we've just got decided in our business and what we've discovered is that uh, our employees, one of their biggest pain points, we've got a lot of single moms or working moms whose yep. husbands work or whatever, uh, daycare, a huge issue in America today, and certainly with our staff. And sure. uh, we have considered opening a, day, a company-owned daycare, to be honest, wow. centrally located in our markets, uh, literally subsidized almost as a nonprofit would be because, you know, it's, a, it's another benefit for our staff. Sure. Uh, if it doesn't cost us anything, but yet gets more staff back to work, then that's where we make our money is by being able to have more staff and take care of more clients and so on. In conversations with some state agencies that help with that kind of thing, uh, this is not new. And uh, there are companies recognizing it that are too small to have their own. Sure. They're banding together with three or four or five other companies and each of them, depending on how much they, money they put in to build it and run it get X number of slots for children, and then uh, they put their staff into it. So it becomes a huge benefit so that people can get back to work instead of staying at home. Well, you know, um, Allstate, Allstate Insurance is here in Chicago, and I know that they um, are one of those companies that have that in-house daycare for their workers too. And I always thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder how they do that. But very similar to what you're saying. I mean, they recognize early on before all this that there's a need for their employees. It keeps their employees coming to work on a regular basis. So I think that's a very interesting idea. Yeah, and you know, um, you can't always solve the problems by yourself, but if you partner with other people who have the same sort of issues and right. you put your money and your time and those kinds of things together, uh, many times you can. And if you're in any sort of a retail environment, for sure, this probably is going to be a forever problem as far as getting staff to work. So um, sure. one of the points I make all the time is uh, you got to think of this as the long game, not a short-term problem. Because some yep. of these things are going to go on in many of our businesses for a long time. It's not insurmountable. It's not a reason not to be in the business world. It's just another thing small business needs to deal with. Yeah. So daycare is just one example I could give. There would be others, but I don't want to belabor the point. Sure. But I do want to point out one last thing. So when we're recruiting now, not only are we starting from the point that we're going to be the employer of choice, but we're, uh, we're providing a long list of benefits because you never know which of those benefits might attract that one person. And the benefits are a big thing. The pay is another thing. But we're also talking about finding a home, being there long-term, getting the support of a family-owned uh, franchise, those kinds of things. And then, of course, we're paying a, a sign-on and recruiting bonus. So hopefully that, you know, if they're weighing one job versus another, that may get them to come to us before somebody else. Sure. Anyhow, without going into a lot more detail, those are just some of the things that uh, we are either working on or have been successful for. I think that's great. And I'll end this particular segment of this 
category by saying the recruiting is actually a really interesting um, thing because I know in a lot of businesses, particularly in mine, and I know Ray has done it before too, when you have a good core group of people who work for you, um, they tend to hang out with or be associated with like-minded people. And, you know, we certainly set it up where, listen, if, you, if you've got a friend or you can find somebody who can come in and work for us or is interested in working for us and they can stay through 90 days, you'll get a bonus and they'll get their hiring bonus. So they go out and they do the recruiting for you. And because they're loyal to you anyway, and you know they're a good employee, they're not going to bring you somebody who's not going to come to work. Right. That's not what they what most of them are doing. So I think that's um, a really good point when you talk about recruiting and loyalty of your employees. Let's talk about David. I want to start with you on this one because um, we kind of talked about this previously, too. Let's talk about capital and the access to capital, the issues that we're finding right now and how we're going to overcome some of those. What, what kind of situations are you encountering, hearing of, helping with? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> the biggest thing that I, I, I just ironically, right as we were just jumping on this call, I get a text from somebody and uh, he's in a uh, construction business. And the first thing he says was, hey, do you have somebody that I can get in touch with for basically a two month float on receivable, uh, yeah, a, a two week float on receivables wow. that he he's trying to collect. Right. So, again, every business is different. Um yep. So I, I thought that was funny that and that's not funny for him. Right, right. But, not but funny, bottom, not line funny. Is, yeah, bottom line is it's that whole trickle down effect. So he's looking for something to say, you know, I, I'm having a tough time collecting from the people I've already done my work for. I've got to pay yeah. my people I have to go pay for some supplies. He's in that same situation where basically I booked this job. I ordered these supplies. The supplies are who knows when they're going to show up, you know, it's been right. three months and, and, and he says his payroll. So he can't right. get the job done. He's got to pay his payroll. He's waiting on the supplies that he probably put half down. And now he's in a, in, in a situation where he, he needs some cash flow. So, yeah. um, so I think that's one of the things that, that business owners are facing. And I think is with anything, when you do your business plan, um, you're going to have to put a realistic amount for, for your, cash reserves to cut to cover those types of things you yeah. don't really know when they are when you're just starting up but as as an experienced person you might you know heck you know no one saw all this coming no, no one saw this coming so all you could do is prepare the best you could right. um and uh, so that so now he's reaching out to try to do that i think the other thing is too it comes back when we met reference that before we always talked about you know kind of startup capital where are you going to start your business with and and you know, it, it, the bank might give you so much, you might have so much, and you might want to grab a partner or some investors. I always used investors to kind right. of offset some of that that um, outlay of cash, other people's money, right? As, as right. We, people refer to it, <laughs> and and I think that's that's really really important at this point in time um, to look at all the avenues because if you don't, um, you know, you might get might get stuck. You know, even. Sure. Even in negotiating a lease now, if you're, if you're just getting into business, you know, now there's going to be some wiggle room. You know, we talk about, you know, landlord giving you some tenant improvement money, but, but there's also things that you're going to want to start thinking about in the lease that quite frankly, never even crossed our consciousness before to say, Hey, what happens if there's a public emergency that shuts down, shuts sure. it down and how, you know, how's that? We never, that, that never came up in discussion. Yeah, Not so that's right. a good point. If, yes. Could you put that clause 
You suppose you put a clause like that, certainly a question to ask, right? Question yep. to ask, how are we going to handle that? Because, you know, that's another way to offset a potential capital burn because, yeah. you know, is it going to keep me like, because let's face it, you can't rely on PPP loans forever. I mean, they, they, they helped. I mean, this country, yeah. this country would be in really bad shape if those PPP loans weren't made available to an awful lot of businesses. So, so that helps, but but then a lot of guys screwed that up and they spent it, you know, and yeah. <laughs> now yeah. they need it still, you know. Yeah, you didn't necessarily need that brand new truck because now you got to figure out how to pay your bills and how to buy your supplies. Exactly. Yeah, I, th I think that was pe the penny wise pound foolish situation that a lot of us ran into. Uh, Ray, how about you? What are you thinking about in terms of if you were to need capital today? Uh, let's say you're going to go buy out a neighbor or something. What do you start a new business? Well, right, right now I, I'm getting inundated by people asking me if that, if I need money. So uh, I would be, I would imagine it's just a matter of uh, saying yes to one of them, and uh, all the terms seem to be uh, pretty good. So I, I seem to be okay in that respect. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I basically don't owe anything uh, to anybody right now. Uh, yeah. Maybe Enterprise, uh, the, the monthly sure. thing on on the cars, which I feel is. Uh, is a great is a better way to go for me as far as that goes well, that, that's the only thing right you know now. that's actually a really good point that you brought up and and i'm going to kind of twist what you started to say to highlight the, the back half of that so enterprise has a relationship with several different franchisors and this is an area when you talk about capital being accessible that mm -hmm. franchising really can help you as a business owner so in our situation, Neighborly Molly Made has a relationship with Enterprise and it allows you as a new owner to access cars for your fleet that doesn't impact your credit. It doesn't look at your credit. Your franchisor basically, in a way, co-signs on that loan for you and allows you to get a fleet up and going. Because if you think about it, if you're running a business that requires a fleet, you can just guarantee you're going to spend about 20 grand at a minimum mm. per unit to get people out there working. And right. so when you're looking for franchisors, a great thing that Ray, you pointed out, and I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think about this mm -hmm. is to look for franchisors that have partnerships, mm -hmm. partnerships mm -hmm. that allow you to use the OPM, right? The other people's money idea. So I think that's a really good point for people who are looking to start a business and perhaps people who are in a franchise right now, reach out to your franchisor. If you need, if you need a big equipment or you need cars, something like that, find out what kind of relationships are there. You might be surprised where they can help you. Jerry, what about for you, for you guys in terms of capital? What are you finding? Well, uh, there's a lot of things, Kristen, and you have to be innovative in these days that we're in. Ray brought up a good point. There's a lot of people claiming they want to give you money, but they need to get into it sometimes. The application process and the approval process is not the way they portrayed it. So right. I would always tell you, sign up and see where it goes and then and then go from there. But I will tell you, I just met with a business broker yesterday and we had this conversation. Uh, there are uh, maybe traditional banks other than the one that you typically deal with that are more small business oriented than the one you're currently dealing with. And right now, make no mistake about it, banks have a lot of money. You know, that PPP and idle money and all that kind of stuff, if you didn't spend it right away, it went into the bank for a line of credit or something. And uh, so banks are flush with money and they really want to loan it out because that's where they make their money. 
So don't just focus on just your, your bank. And to kind of tag onto that, there's a lot of third-party lenders out there that that's their entire job is to find insurance companies and other people with money to put a package together for somebody. So, and to be honest, you guys brought up your franchisor. Many mm-hmm. franchisors have relationships, preferred vendors that do that. So you can check with the franchisor and see if they've got a couple of them they would recommend to you that have experience in your brand and comfort with your brand and maybe you're more willing to lend within your brand. So keep that in mind. Uh, as David said, partners or investors, there's a lot of that going on because once again, there are some categories that have you know, done pretty well during COVID and they've got sure. money they want to invest in the thing. Yeah. You know, you can dig into some smaller things that still help out. Like you talked about, you know, relationships for equipment through your franchisee and, and uh, maybe uh, great leases on vehicles that save you some money and, mm-hmm. and reserve your capital. Instead of spending it on a truck, you're keeping your capital and leasing it. Right. One of the little use things that I think is something, certainly we're using it right now, and David touched on it, was tenant improvement allowance. So if you're building out a new location, yep. typically landlords will give you part of your build-out costs, and then they roll it back into the lease. So in essence, they're lending you the money, if you will. Uh, you may you'll pay a premium on it, but it's just like borrowing money, except you don't have to do anything for it. They just give it to you. Right. Typically, we don't do those TI allowances because that gets built into the lease long term, and we would like to keep our lease payments low. Sure. And in days like this, if you're struggling to find cash, that's a really easy venue to go down. You know, you can get twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars sometimes against your build-out costs, and that would be money you'd have to come up with typically in a loan otherwise. Sure. And that reserves your borrowing capacity for something else. So there's a whole list of things that you can do to really leverage your position. So don't lose track of any of those. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Let's go ahead, David. And I, would, and I would just add to that, too, is, is I know we speak to a lot of people that are looking to buy franchise, but for current operators in your business, um, you know, it's it's an age old saying, you know, the banks are willing to lend you money when you don't really need the money. And that and, you know, and that while you're operating your business, when times are good, when times are strong, that's when you kind of want to say, okay, I need to start preparing for a potential rainy day. And that doesn't mean you have to go borrow the money, but go ahead and make, make sure you can maintain your relationship with your, with your bank, with, with your financial partners, yep. um, try to secure some, some, uh, some um, potential credit lines that you can tap into in case of an emergency, you know, those types of things, when things are good, that's when you want to kind of build that war chest for, for when things, so you don't have to, you don't have to go back when, hey, man, now I'm in a bind. Can I get that? Because sure. think about your own self, man. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm out of a job. I don't really have, I got to pay all these bills. Can I borrow some money? You're sitting there going, oh, I might You don't have a job. <laughs> so, so the time to go yeah. get money is when you don't really need it. And, and I yeah. think I think a lot of people, they, they, they just kind of take it for granted. I know I did yep. when I was a young entrepreneur. Wow, this is going to last forever. And then a hammer comes and it doesn't last forever. And you got to yeah. really scrape and claw to come back out so yeah. again that's another little tidbit that I, I would i would put in my uh, war chest is when things are going good make sure i maintain my relationships with my financial partners and at that point in time try to secure some some lines of credit yeah that's awesome and i'll tell you once you get your business up and going and you start you know one of the things that i started with a few professionals in in my circle that i continue to do today um, a lot of my accounting is done on trade 
Mm. A lot of wow. my, um, sometimes if I need certain services, things that people are providing services on, they tend to be very, it will actually even one of the magazines that I market in and have been showcased in, we do that on trade. So she says, listen, I want a monthly cleaning service. And I say, okay, well, I kind of need accounting services or I need this or I need that. I'm sorry. Um, and that's, that's how we manage to keep our cash. And, and, and to play a little bit on, on, on what David said, um, you know, it's admirable uh, for people to say, oh, I want to pay off my house. I want to pay cash for my car. That's great for personal finances. But when you become an entrepreneur, you've got to think about what's available to you, not necessarily what you have sitting in the bank. And that's a huge difference. And, and, and I think that plays excellently with what David was trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about getting creative, you know, just remember, it's not just even for the big money, right? I apologize. Um, I had people come through the door and the dogs wanted everyone to know that I have visitors. So anyway, um, yeah, so, so look outside of just the general capital to get your business started. Okay, I get the award for something, right? For that, for the most dogs that bark during a show? Yes, the most <laughs> annoying dog um, without oh. being seen interruptions. Yes. Because if the dog were seen, then it would be cute. But since it's not seen, it's just annoying. <laughs> it's basically just a sound effect at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's like the doghouse sound effect. Well, and the dog has been carried off into the sunset. So, and I It love should be the a dog. big like, woof, 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 great Dane or, or wolf one. Not that. My, my big dogs don't bark. It's the little ones. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Did you notice? That the dog doesn't bark when the rest of us are talking, only when you're talking. So you can't mute. Yeah, yeah, it must it must be something. You know, I wake up in the morning, I have a dog sleeping on my shoulder, a dog on my head, a dog on my feet. It's just, uh, you know. And if I could, my dream job aside from the show would be to have a, an animal rescue. So there. Now you all know I love dogs and would have a big old farm full of dogs if I could. <laughs> but let's get back to what we're doing. I'd have to figure out how to what to trade. The show is going to the dogs. Yes. <laughs> Boo hiss. Boo hiss. That last joke was just too bad. Boo hiss. It was. I mean, it was. That was. All right. So let's let's keep going though, because obviously we have so much more to talk about. And what I would like to talk about next is let's talk about some of the. How are you all leveraging some of these increased costs, whether it be for supplies or labor? And yes, Dale and Dewey, who's listening right now, just sent me a message that said, hey, was that my little dog barking? Yes, it was the little dog booby who is barking. <laughs> so let's talk about what we're going to do and how you're overcoming some of those obstacles to make sure you can continue to service your customers that you have today and keep your business in a position that you'll be ready for more down the road. Ray, you wanna talk about that? Sure, uh, as an owner, you naturally absorb those increases. Uh, I mean, you just don't take home as much. And, right. uh, and of course, we're constantly working. Uh, one of the things that we're having, having a, a problem getting now is uh, gloves. And uh, 
Um, recently, I noticed there's a few people that are putting them on sale. So uh, our costs are going to begin to go down as uh, you know time marches on. And of course, right. some of the things that we're not using now, you know, we're not getting as many masks that we need to use because sure. most of the customers to basically say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, we still have a few that say, yeah, definitely, you know, put the mask on when you come here. But uh, majority of them are saying, no, don't worry about it. So yeah, we don't need, you know, those kind of supplies we're not needing. We always need sure. gloves and they, and they shot up. I think uh, uh, you, you probably had the same problem. They uh, shot up in price dramatically. And uh, we've been ordering them from probably about five different sites uh, to, uh, to, you know, and constantly monitoring the cost. But yes, uh, as an owner, you absorb those costs. And then, uh, you know, hopefully as time goes on, we'll be able to recoup some of that. Sure. I, I know for us, a lot of it was trying to solve those problems, right? You have four and six week lead times to get some of those supplies. And sometimes it meant that you had to find a local supply house. And because so much of the supply chain was broken, instead of ordering from one place, I may have to go pay retail prices one place. I may have to go to a supply house somewhere else. I may have to call up a neighbor and say, hey, how many boxes do you have? Can I have two and pay you back? I mean, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on and that's how we managed to get around a lot of it. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, as we move forward, I think the way in which we deal with our client base tends to change a little bit too, right? So we know, you know, there's a threshold. Every business has a threshold of what they need to make to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And so people will start to see, as we have, when we talked about it today, I went by us $3.48 a gallon for gas. And I'm like, no wonder I maxed out my fuel card this month, right? Um, but those costs are going to get passed along, whether it's for your clean service, whether it's for your hamburger at McDonald's, Thank goodness. The only thing I still only pay a dollar eight for because of taxes is my McDonald's IC, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else is going up. And so people have to be prepared for that. I know that we're looking at some of our clients who, you know, maybe they're just not really for the amount of time their home requires to clean them. They're not paying enough. So we have to go back and address price increases. Um, Jerry, what are you guys? Wait, doing wait, wait, wait. You said three forty nine. Yeah, for gas. I know you're like probably five forty nine. Feel grateful. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> feel great. Even at the cheap stations, it's four fifty nine. Feel grateful. Yeah, well, yeah. the left the left coast is another country as far as that is concerned. So. Oh, Ray. <laughs> but you'd like Ray. the weather out here where I am today better than where you are. Take that. Fred, you uh, you are right. We need to feel grateful. I feel grateful every day I don't live in California. So thank yeah. you for bringing that. Oh, man. I love that state. I'd move back in a heartbeat, to be honest with you. But I, I do agree with you because we're in Illinois, Jerry. So for us, it's the next worst thing cost-wise and tax-wise to California. So if I'm going to pay that much, I might as well live where I like. Well, sure. Illinois is a California wannabe, and uh, they're, they're chasing to get there and see who gets there quickest. But, uh, yes, it's yeah. a race to the bottom. To the I will city. not I will not make jokes about Iowa. I will not make jokes about <laughs> Iowa. I promise that in another... Aren't people just out there walking around? Oh, gosh, no. You know, we've got... We recovered really quick from COVID. You know, we've got a great economy... 
Yes, we don't have the most scenic view on the face of the earth, and we do have tough winters like Illinois does, but there are benefits to being in a low cost of living state. So I agree. And you um, know what? Honestly, for the record, we love all of our states, and I love Canada too, right? So, but yeah. we love to hash it out between the, yeah, the four it's of us. It's fun to make fun of different states. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a girl on TikTok who does just that, but we'll go past that point. Jerry, let's get back to business. Okay. So you guys touched on it. I, I'll just, uh, you know, I don't want to repeat a lot of what's been said, but, you know, we talked about COVID and now the recovery and um, so on. Uh, we started practice when COVID hit. We have a great supplier of not only office supplies, but uh, many other things that we use similar to Staples. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, uh, they're so good that, the, and we're a decent sized um, customer of theirs. So when they see the market moving for supplies, they let us know. So we can buy as many of that particular supply at that point in time before prices go up or whatever. So again, uh, you have all touched on leveraging relationships. That's leveraging a relationship for supplies for your business. And so uh, our warehouse turned into a real warehouse at that point in time, because I think we bought like 60 or 70 cases of toilet paper yeah. uh, when this all started. Oh, <laughs> Wait, that's why the shelves were empty. I saw you, Ray. You're like, wait a second. It's Jerry's no, no. <laughs> I was not reselling it to make a profit, although it certainly crossed my mind. Iowa no, hoarding. We're, we're a retail place, so, you know, and we've got a retail bathroom, so you've got to be prepared for those kinds of things. Well, but Jerry, I, I, thought, I thought I outsnarted you, Jerry, because I went out and ordered a bidet. <laughs> Well, 29 bidets gets a little cumbersome, so one is not so bad. Depends 29. on how much you're paying for toilet paper. You know, if you had to clean one of our uh, retail bathrooms <laughs> one time, you would not want anything spraying water in there if you could help. Oh, it, so. my God. Good Lord. Uh, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Uh, see, uh, I win the prize for the most interrupted. Thank you, Kristen. This, this, this conversation is going down the toilet right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, all right all right ray ray if you're going to do jokes and you're going to be fred doing the jokes you gotta make them newer by at least a couple of decades please okay <laughs> take it away jerry yes you have been voted most interrupted last couple things i will mention and uh you guys are in the cleaning business and i can tell you we we uh you know uh, cosmetology is huge on sanitation and cleaning it's because we are involved with people so much we have to do that uh well you know during the early part of covid we discovered just how much our staff was uh, overusing some of the products in other words if the mix rate was one to ten they oh. were doing it one to five or something like that right yes and so by coming up with some innovative strategies to make it easier for them to hit the target rather than overdoing it, we were able to cut our consumption of some of those products down by 30 to 50%. Yes. And that not only saves you money, but uh, in the times of shortages, it saves you a lot of products so that you don't run out of some of those things. So um, that's something I would, I would make sure that you do. And then the last thing, which is something we're all facing right now, uh, Kristen touched on it earlier, uh, we're certainly on the verge of doing it. You're going to have to raise prices. Uh, that's a cascading effect. If anything in society gets raised, before long it's going to rotate through all of society. So 
It's not going to be unusual. I think our consumers are all going to just have to grin and bear it. Uh, we talked about gas prices. That's one thing. But you can look across the system, and, and everything's going up in pricing right now. Yep. Uh, I just read an article about many restaurants that are not necessarily raising prices, but they're shrinking por uh, portions. Right. We're even doing things like, you know, cutting a sixteenth of an inch off of the thickness of a steak, mm -hmm. which doesn't really show up, but on the bottom line shows up. That's know, right. Customers don't notice it. So there's a lot of ways to do that, uh, but in one shape, way, shape, or form or another, you're raising prices. Yeah, you know, I think the good the good thing about again, if you have a model that you are following, there are target margins, right? And so, and I think the point that we're all trying to make with people is there are ways to tweak your business model, whether it's by pricing, whether it's by cost reductions, right? As long as you can get to that bottom line, and it's not going to probably be as easy, nor will it be as pretty and, and maybe as fat as it used to be. But the beauty of a franchise model is there are some guidelines and there are, you know, we used to have, you know, for a million dollar business, these are the top 10 KPIs that you want to watch all the time. And so I think a little differently than a mom and pop shop, as I call them, um, the franchise system has some really good guidelines to help kind of, I'm going to say, guide you, right, to, to get to the bottom line so you still can pull a profit. And, and we're not even talking about huge profits. These are not businesses that we're saying, you know, are going to make a 50% profit. I mean, some of the businesses that, like the area Ray and I are in, you could have really, really, really almost single-digit margins i mean and and that's with a lot of things david um I, I see you have a question can i uh switch to you real quickly yeah i don't know if i have a question i was just going to say I, I think you know what you're talking about is a couple fold here um the franchise model allows you to um to share ideas um, with other franchisees that can help you kind of reset you know your business and, and bounce off ideas that especially when you're in kind of the throes of everything, you might not be thinking of all the other, of all the other possibilities and, and ways that you yes. can kind of restructure your business. So that offers a lot more. And that, that's one of the biggest things I think when that, that was the biggest benefit I remember having anytime there were struggles, boom, you jump on the phone with two, three other franchisees, get a couple ideas from them and you're, you know, kind of up and running again yeah. um, with, with, with some new, you know, renewed enthusiasm on what you're doing. The other thing I would say is this, and I know this going on in a lot of restaurant businesses, a, a lot of fast food, a lot of, and a lot of other businesses, you have to kind of reset, right? So you might've grown your business to a certain level with X number of employees. And now you have, you know, 75% of that number of employees or half the employees. Well, you can't expect to do that same volume you were doing with the full complement of employees and, and then run your lower amount, 50% of employees and run them ragged. So you have to get creative. Does that mean, are we still a seven day a week operation? Are we still 5,000 square feet? Are we still, you know, 150 tables or are we 80 tables? Um, are we going to close on Mondays? What are we going to do that controls the cost? And most importantly, in any business, doesn't let your consumer down, doesn't let, let your guest or your customer down. Because if you're doing that, you're never going to rebuild your business. So you Absolutely. might have to scale it back down, make sure, that, make sure that it's almost as if when you were building it, right? Day one, you had kind of a smaller staff, you were building, and then you built yep. into it. Now you're saying, okay, I've got to, I've got to build to my staff a little bit. And then as, as my business grows, maybe I can continue to add That's those right. people. But, but I think 
for most businesses right now, you have to face reality and say, here's what we're able to output. Here's what we're able to produce. And I have to, and I have to structure my costs and my operations according to that because sure. to do anything else and that's folly because you're going to risk damaging your reputation as a business that can deliver the products. Yep, very good. Uh, Fred, I see that you have a question for Jerry. Yeah, I do. So, and actually, Kristen, you kind of reiterated. You talked about um, restaurants like shaving a sixteenth of an inch off the steak. So for the great clips, would they be leaving like a sixteenth of an inch more hair? <laughs> Fred, you are hilarious, except you're really not. So <laughs> no, we do not. We we actually give the same service. We give exactly what the customer is looking for. We just do it so efficiently that we can recapture some productivity. So Jerry for allowing me to do a little press release. The funniest part about that is Fred doesn't even have any hair to get cut. Why do you think we wear hats? Why do you think I we wear hats? Fred, we do buff jobs. We'll clean that right up for you. Make you shine like you're a new baby. <laughs> a buff job. That's awesome. Send somebody out to California because I can tell you, it ain't going to be that economical if I got to go to Iowa to get my hair cut. <laughs> I got friends that are franchisees in your neighborhood, buddy. We'll hook you up. Oh my God, I'm dying. And I would share with you the text I received about Iowa and corn cobs and toilet paper, but I don't want to go there. I just <laughs> am dying today with some of these crazy conversations we had. Okay, so let's talk about strategic. Uh, well, we talked about um, kind of the maximizing revenues and all this, but what about strategically in terms of buying a franchise? Jerry, we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday. Why don't you talk to us about what do you think are some of the best tips because we have decided right it's still a good time to buy a franchise and with that being said what would be a great way for somebody to go about looking for a franchise today to really maximize maybe minimal uh, investment well to start with Kristen um, I would argue that it is maybe the best time to get into franchising right now especially if you have the chance to do an acquisition as opposed to starting from scratch uh -huh. nothing wrong with starting from scratch but what we've always looked at when we do an acquisition is we're literally buying cash flow you That's know right. when you open a new business you're going to have several months or maybe longer before you reach a break-even point so you're going to be infusing more cash into it on a steady basis if you were to buy an existing one and you, you first off you're buying the cash flow the customer base and so on so you may be at least at break even when you first buy it so that's the first strategy i would look for you're going to need to find a business broker probably to help you find that opportunity right. um, but you need to control the broker you need to make sure that you are getting what you want out of it and it's not just them selling you something so you go through the same process as finding the right fit for you and then you get in the driver's seat and negotiate it. So what we've done with many of them, we look for underperforming uh, stores that we look at and we know that when we bring our secret sauce and the way that we do business and so on into it, that we can improve it by X percentage in some period of time, whatever that right. is. And it's just an economic math equation, you know, as to what you wanna, what you wanna pay for it. Right now is a unique time in history where because of some of the pain points in the franchise or small business world, Many franchisees who have been in their business for an extended period of time, 15, 20, 30 years, 
uh, paid it off a long time ago, probably reinvested the profits somewhere else, and they're just ready to retire. Yeah. Well, again, we're in a unique time where you can buy those franchises in many cases for much less than you could uh, a year or two or three ago. So look for some opportunities to, to uh, leverage that to some extent and buy something right so that your cash flow nexus is lower than what it would have been otherwise. Yeah. And the last piece I would add to that is if it's paid off and they don't owe money for it, many of them will be very willing to sell it on contract to you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, this is where you, you literally can pay your way to success because if you buy it on a contract, it does not count against your borrowing capacity from the bank. So you have the ability to add on more units, expand whatever you want to do with that kind of saved borrowing capacity. Right. The benefit for the seller is they, they get the opportunity to make interest on it, which is probably a higher interest rate than they would make from the bank, almost assuredly. That's right. And uh, they get to spread out. They get it. They're used to a monthly income from the business. Mm -hmm. And this is a way that they can have a monthly income for many years to come. So traditionally, we have structured deals roughly with 20% down cash, 80% carried by the owner. Yep. You can put whatever percentage you want to into those things, depending on how the deal is structured. We usually get a, uh, a, a interest rate that is slightly below what we could get from a bank. So we save a little bit of money and the, uh, the seller gets the benefit of, you know, 4% or whatever the interest rate is coming in as a bonus every month. Yeah. Yeah. You would typically do that in an amateurized vehicle. So in other words, Payments would be based on, in our case, a 10-year model, but at the five-year window, there is a balloon payment due. We usually write the contract so that you can extend it at the seller's option if they want to continue to get that monthly payment instead of a mm -hmm. lump sum payment. You can pay it off in that next five years. But worst case, in five years, you've improved the business, you've bought equity by making those payments. That's right. It would be really easy to get a bank to finance the balance if you need to. Yeah. And a quick story, going back to the secret sauce and those underperforming ones, we've been able to take stores uh, literally and triple their volume in two years. Wow. So if you find them underperforming enough and you feel that because of your marketing background, uh, yep. your boots on the ground efforts, uh, leveraging the, uh, the internal workings, the operations, there's a variety of things you can do. But yep. that's where the money is. Yep. That's where the money is, is that up boost that you're going to get as you grow. So there's yeah. several tiers. They're all easy and they're all powerful. I think that's actually a really, really great point because people do, they tire of these kinds of setbacks, right? And and the last two acquisitions I made were exactly what you said. You know, we knew we wanted the acquisition. I could have paid cash, but the idea was how can I sit back because Listen, my dad always taught me you need to save your cash for a rainy day, right? Because you never know what's going to happen. Here we are, three yeah. years later, yeah. guess what's happened? Yeah. So I think it's it's a really smart idea. Again, it's kind of like using other people's money, right? So instead of taking out a big loan for a huge lump sum you got to pay back, if you're paying back that owner, and in a lot of cases for me, the, the, the gentleman that I'm paying right now on the last acquisition is helping him um, supplement his Social Security. Yeah. So we all win. So I think that's great. Um, Ray, did you have uh, something you want to say? Because then I'm told that, uh, well, yeah, we're going to go no, down the I rabbit hole. To that except I've done that, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, yeah. and t -shirt. it works great. 
<laughs> we should have a been there dot been there done that got the t-shirt shirt i think um so i i thank all of you for that um i think that you know hopefully our listeners realize that we're you know we joke and we tease and and things like that and we do indeed love all of our states in canada too um and you know we're we don't on this show we try to make sure that we don't tout any political line in any way shape or form that's not our intent but we are all passionate about what we do we're all facing the same struggles that any other small business and or franchise is facing and so with that we we like to be really really candid in what we this dog oh my goodness uh, we like to be really candid with our conversation. So we hope that everybody understands that. And instead of going down the rabbit hole today, I think Fred's going to take us down the toilet toilet bowl today. Is that right, Fred? Well, I am going to give you a swirly today. <laughs> Excellent. So I, I was, I was uh, contemplating the topic of today's uh, down the rabbit hole question. And I read a very intriguing opinion editorial in the Washington Post about AI and how the AI we should fear, and we've talked about before, is already here. But then I contemplated, and like I said, I, I really like that idea. But then I thought about the fact that earlier this week, uh, the, I guess, retired CEO of Amazon uh, stuck himself in a rocket. And um, all I'll say about the... Uh, rocket shape was it was phallic anyways he shot himself up into space and came back down and and I started thinking about this of you know here now you've had Branson and Bezos both go up there and and we know Musk is really uh, gonna go up there soon and and then I started thinking about what the first space travel franchisor would look like and I thought you know let's ask the expert franchisees what it would be like, what would be the worst day you could think of as a space travel franchisee? And what would you do about it? Well, that just seems to be a no-brainer to me. The worst absolute day would be the day that you didn't come back. I don't know. Maybe you want somebody's better. Uh, I'm not buying that one. All right, yeah. so... A, a, a client problem. doesn't come back. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to call up Jerry and see if he'd like to take his uh, <laughs> the next the next flight out. <laughs> or David, he's got great people skills, right? He might be able to go out and negotiate them to release our person and bring them back. Ooh, assuming aliens have taken them. Now that I actually like. Jerry, since she threw you on the on the... <laughs> Down the hole next. Go for it. The rocket ship. <laughs> you know, Fred, I have a hard enough time staying, you know, based on Earth. So my worst day would be when I have to figure out how to do some sort of franchise in space. So uh, I, I literally, this is going to sound very, uh, very simple, but I just am not going up there. I'm staying here. I'm not going <laughs> to. i got enough problems here. Well, you could be down here and still up in. Fair enough. All right, jump ball between David and Ray. Okay. Oh, I, I don't. Th I don't uh, think my, my territory doesn't expand <laughs> that far. <laughs> it's a different menu there. As as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, 
I would definitely, if someone didn't come back, I'd then sell to that person's relatives a space burial. I'd call, my freaking in, <laughs> I'd call my freaking insurance agent and check my liability insurance. But this okay, gone all over the place. I, I've, I've just gone so far over the place. Who's in space again? Who went in the rocket ship? Who's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Former CEO. No, of I know that. I'm talking about. Is it a franchisee? A customer? No, it's a franchisee, a franchisee client. It's one of your clients. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that question at all. I told you, David. I think he my, said a franchisor, right? Didn't well, he say something I didn't different? Know. What do they have with them? My our proprietary recipes. What do they have with? Them? I don't know. Maybe they've got Buffalo Wild Wings in, hey, you know, frozen. It depends. Frozen there might be, you might have, hey, sometimes you have to fire the guests. Sometimes you have to fire the yeah. client. You might want to leave them out there. That's all. I'm hey, you know what, David? I think that's where all those missing chicken wings are. There they are. Yeah, shortage. <laughs> so, They're so flying I'm around in space so, right now. We have gone way off the rails. Uh, being fired. Being fired into space. The first ones being fired into space were monkeys, and now we got. Bezos, right? There you go. <laughs> and on that note, because we don't want the uh, a, a multi-trillion dollar company suing us, I want to thank you all for making it a really weird show. Thank you. We'll be back next week. And to welcome to our uh, Shoutcast Live listeners, thanks for supporting the channel so far. We'll be back live soon. And we'll be back next week with...